This is the Motion Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like more information about Motion Church, you can always visit our website at motionchurch.com. If you'd like to contribute to what God is doing here at Motion, you can do that at motionchurch.com forward slash give. We hope you enjoyed today's message. All right. What's up, everybody? Um, I think that's, that's probably a little offensive, that whole scene. Because uh, the first experience, everybody looked at me like I was crazy. Nobody said anything. And you guys just did the same thing. How many times? And that's exactly the idea, right? Like, so how many times have you been in a restaurant and you've seen that exact same scenario be played out? Uh, where you've got, you know, a couple, be it, mar- be it a married couple or a couple that's dating. Even a group of friends so often they'll come and they'll sit at a restaurant and they'll have very little, if any, interaction with each other because they're so enamored yeah. with their screens and their devices, yeah. right? And it, it's funny because if we see it, we think it's ridiculous, but if we do it, we can justify it. And I've done it, right? I've done it. Like, this is one of the things that I'll do. I'll be like, hey, hold, hold on just a second. I, I gotta take care of some stuff, it's really important. As if, you know, my stuff's more important than your stuff, and then the thing that I need to do is more important than the relationship that I have with you. Yeah. Right, and so it's not that those things are necessarily, I understand we gotta take care of stuff from time to time, but when we're always taking care, care of things and we're neglecting the people that are right in front of us, then maybe yeah. it's a problem. Yeah. And that's why we're doing a series called Dark Reflection. So the whole idea of this, this series is that technology specifically, ooh, it's already busted anyway, it don't matter. So, so technology, specifically our screens, They are a reflection, right? And it's not that technology is the problem. The problem is not our screens. The problem is our hearts, right? We blame, we we are so bad about this. We do this whole deflection thing. First off, why is everybody sitting on this side of the room and not this side of the room? (laughs) Moving over here. Just kidding. There you go. Balance. Hey, Ty. It's my beautiful daughter. Side matters. You matter. I'm just kidding. I mean, you do. I'm not just kidding about that. Where was, oh, what was I talking about? I thought I had it for a second, and you guys got me flustered. I don't even remember. It's just that unimportant. Oh, we blame technology. We are so bad. We are so bad about, we deflect, and we, we basically blame, and we, we just refuse to take any responsibility. And one of the greatest ways this is expressed in, in society is like, oh, well, this generation today, kids these days. Like, where do you think they learned it from, Chief? When it comes to the, the whole restaurant scenario that we just kind of played out, there is, there is no group that is exempt from that. I have seen people who, is, who are what we would classify as uh, seasoned. I'm just trying to be nice and not call people old, right? I've seen old couples. I've seen groups of teenagers and everything in between. Yeah. I've seen toddlers, right, on their, their iPads. Like, so all of us are, are kind of part of the problem. And yet what we do is we deflect. We're like, oh, technology. The technology is not the issue. Our hearts are the issue. And so this is what scripture says about our hearts. It, it warns us with regards to our heart. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. We talked about this last week. We're going to talk about it again next week and the week after that. It's kind of like our, our key scripture for the series. It says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. The, the phrase desperately wicked means incurably sick. Who can know it? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick, incurably sick, desperately wicked, who can know it? Now, if we stop there, it would be pretty helpless and hopeless, right? We wouldn't have much to hold on to. But there is good news. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 10, the next verse, it says this. I, the Lord, search the heart, test the mind, 
even give to every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. So this is what I believe. I believe that, that God knows our hearts. We, we use that expression a lot in church. Like, well, God knows my heart. When we don't do the thing we're supposed to do, it's like, oh, well, God, God knows my heart. And we love to say that God knows our heart in, in that regard. But here's the, the bigger picture. God does know our heart. God understands our heart. And God wants us to understand our heart so that we can take the necessary, necessary steps to mitigate our heart's destructive behaviors. Right. Because our hearts can't be trusted, because our hearts are prone to wonder. I, I think about our hearts sometimes like toddlers. You just cannot leave them alone. Right. They're just you, you, once. So I'll tell a quick story. I'm going to my kids hate when I talk about them, but then they also like secretly want me to talk about them in a message. So and Tavian is the worst. So when Tavian was very little, he was the kid that got the, the backpack puppy backpack with a leash because, man, you leave him for one second. And it wasn't a bad kid, he was just a curious kid, right? He was just wanting, the world was fascinating to him. And so I think our hearts are kind of like that, right? You, you give them one chance to get off and get, get out of the, the direction that it's supposed to be on and it's gone. And so I think God wants us to understand our hearts so that we can understand how to kind of offset some of the destructive habits, tendencies, and behaviors of our hearts. And so the imagery of technology being a mirror it does just that, right? It gives us this reflection so that we can see what's going on in our hearts. Last week, we talked about how our hearts, when they're unhealthy, they prefer entertainment over impact. Guilty as charged, yeah. right? No? Yes. Wow. Yeah. That's the second time you guys have left me hanging, right? So, so, so many times our hearts, it, it, because entertainment, like we talked about last week, it's easier, it's more comfortable. And, and in reality, like we have to choose and be intentional about choosing impact. So that was the statement for last week. This week, the statement as it relates to our heart is that our hearts crave. Cr I don't even know if there's a stronger word or a better word that could be used here that, that would kind of talk to the depth or speak to the depth of this desire. But our hearts crave validation. Our hearts crave validation. That's why you, you see people do incredibly dumb things, and there is no logical explanation or justification for it other than they were, they were seeking validation from people who probably can't give them the validation that they were seeking, but they were, they were offering up their best effort to receive and achieve that validation. So let's start here. I think it's important to start with, with kind of a caveat. It's not necessarily a bad thing that our hearts crave validation. I, I believe that God created us the way that God created us for a very specific reason. And I believe that one of the things that, that he must have in the blueprint, in the design, he must have put in there a craving and a need for validation. And I think there's a reason for that, right? The, the problem is not that we have a desire to be known. The problem is how we achieve this desire to be known. And when we're looking for all of these other things to satisfy that need for validation, that is where we run into the problems, the issues, right? That's where the reflection can potentially be a dark reflection. I like that. I really, I'm having way too much fun with this whole like imagery and I know you guys don't care, but I do. And I think it's amazing, right? So, so if we're seeking, if we're seeking to, to satisfy the need that we have for validation through means that are outside of that design, right? Go, going back to this idea that God has a blueprint, God created us. And so if we're looking for validation by means that are outside of that design, then what we find so often is that it leads to an unhealthy heart. What we do is we fall for counterfeits. 
We, we, are sucker, we are suckers for scams. If we weren't, then why in the world are there so many of them? There are so many of them. There, there, so many of these crimes are perpetrated and perpetuated. I just felt like throwing the extra P in there. It's fun. So many of these crimes are, are perpetrated because we're suckers for the crimes. I get calls probably once a week or more, people trying to sell me things that they don't even actually have, right? Which is the whole premise of a scam. Like I'm trying to get something from you, but I'm offering you something. And in reality, I don't have the thing that I'm trying to offer, to you, offer you, but I'm getting something from you like your account number, right? which is not a good thing. So we fall for scams. We fall for counterfeits. Like we, we, we don't do a terrific job distinguishing or delineating between what's real and what's not. And as it relates to, to technology, I think technology might just be the greatest counterfeit of all time when it comes to offering up validation. Because it, it, what it does, this is how it gets us. It gives us some, it, it gives us a taste, it gives us a semblance of validation and so we assume, our hearts assume, that it's the real thing. But the reality is, it, it's the, I, I saw this picture the other day of a, like a, a, I'll get it out in a minute, a brick wall that made it look like it was an entire city block. And it was about three or four foot deep in reality. But if you're looking at it, it looks like the real deal. But if you kind of peek around the corner, you're like, oh, oops, that ain't right. And so I think, I think, Technology is kind of like that. It's one of those things that it gives us a taste. It gives us just, just enough of it to get us hooked, and that's exactly what it does because it, it is immediate and it is intoxicating. So, so we get it instantaneously, right? We, we get this validation from technology. It's at our fingertips, and then it's also intoxicating. It, it gets its hook in us, so to speak, and once it gets its grip on us, it has no intention of letting go. It's, it's, it's kind of like the, the, we use the imagery so often of fishing, right? And so you've got just this tiny little bait on a hook, and it's just enough to give us a taste, and yet, you know, once we bite the bait, we realize that there's a hook in there, and now you are stuck. This is why, did you guys know that Americans, on average, this was as of this year, 2023, that we check our phones 144 times a day. We check our phones 144, now, I assume that most people sleep. I mean, safe assumption, right? So let's, let's just say you sleep. I know nobody probably actually does this. Well, I don't, people in my family sleep eight hours, but uh, most people don't sleep eight hours, right? So let's just, but let's just say you did. So of, of the eight hours that you have in a day, let's say you're sleeping eight. So over the course of 16 hours, we're checking our phones 144 times a day. Why? Why would we, we feel the need to grab and check our phones that many times a day unless we are craving and desperate for validation? One, one article referred to the way that we treat our phones. Like, how many of you guys have seen The Lord of the Rings? How many of you have not seen The Lord of the Rings? I actually have not, believe it or not. I watched The Hobbit. I, I picked it up late. I'm sorry. I apologize for that. But I remember, I know the reference because it's actually in, in The Hobbit too, but do y'all remember the, the one ring, the, the big, you know, the most important ring in the whole thing, and it's got the little goobly goblin thing. It's like, my precious. <laughs> and that's how it treats the ring. And we treat our phones kind of like that. We're like, my precious. And we, we won't let, let me help you out. If, if you can't, with confidence, hand your phone to someone else, it's a problem. Like, it's a whole problem. You're like, my precious. 
it's wicked, it's evil. Like, if you're, if you're doing things that you're hiding from other people, that's a whole problem. But that's not even what we're talking about. So, so for those of us who are more spiritual, and we wouldn't use the, my bridges. That's too much, right? Maybe for those of you who grew up in church, we, we treat our phones like it is the pearl of great price. The, the, you know, the story that Jesus tells. It is this, this thing that is so valuable to us because we perceive or we believe that it makes us who we are. It is something that provides for us the validation that we need. Think, think about the term validation for just a minute. How, how many times have you had, let's say you're trying to log into an account. And it does the two-step verification, which drives me up. If I said I am who I am, I am who I am. I don't need somebody else to verify who I am, right? I hate the two-step authentication and all that stuff. So what it's trying to do is is it's trying to validate that you are the person that belongs to this account, right? Or you're the person that belongs to this device or whatever the case may be. And I think in turn, when it comes to validation for us, that's exactly what it is that we are in search of. We, We are in search of the proof that we belong. We're in search of, we're strongly desiring and craving somebody to tell us that we matter and that we belong. And, and what happens, I'm gonna, I've been thinking about this. I'm going to try to say it without butchering it, no guarantees. And we look so often for other people to tell us that we matter. And in reality, we should be looking to the one who gave us matter to matter to find out that we matter. Right? God created us. He gave us the matter to matter, and he's the one that we should be looking for to remind us and let us know that we matter. So we treat our phones like the, this precious device and thing that we have to have. There was another article that I was reading that basically compared us to bow wows, to dogs. To... And it's, are you familiar with the, the Pavlov's dog study that was done a long, long, long time ago? And everybody's probably loosely familiar with it. So the concept was... The dogs heard a noise. The noise was associated with food that was being brought out. When the food was brought out, of course, the dogs salivated when they saw the fruit, food. But then what they did is they removed the substance. They just had the noise, and it still produced that result, right, where the, the dog thought that it was going to be validated, right? In this. And so kind of the, the idea is that this is exactly what happens to us. For example, let me give you an example of this. Have you ever had somebody else's phone go off? And you checked your own phone thinking maybe it was yours, hoping maybe it was yours, desperately wishing that somebody would text you and tell you how awesome you are and that they love you and that you're the best person in the whole world. And I couldn't have a better father. I couldn't have a better friend. I couldn't have a better husband. And it, it wasn't even my phone. After all that, after I ran through all of these scenarios in my head, even worse than that, like at least in, in that scenario, there's a signal that would cause us to maybe long for or desire the validation. Have you ever had your leg vibrate and you thought your phone was ringing and then you pull out your phone and it wasn't ringing? It's, it's this crazy phenomenon called ghost ringing where your body creates signals because I, this is why I believe this is the case. I may be wrong on this, but I believe the reason that all of this stuff is going, phys- going on physiologically is because we so deeply desire validation that we would create these fake scenarios where we're being validated by these other external things, such as our phones. So we're, we're basically dogs. I think that so much of this desire that we have for validation comes from God, right? I think, again, kind of th- the idea here is that God created us. It's the blueprint. It's the design. That's not the problem. The problem is how we, how we achieve this, this fulfillment or satisfaction for the validation that we have. So what we do is, is we find so much satisfaction because technology is instant, right? We find so much 
satisfaction. We find so much valid validation in the information, affirmation, and connection that we have at our fingertips. And it makes us feel like we matter. We love it. We love it. Well, some, some people love it. How many of you enjoy getting text messages? How many of you do not enjoy getting text messages? I, say, I, this is, I like this church. This is good. Man, when I get a text message, I'm like, stop. That's why my phone's cracked. No, I'm just kidding. I drop it. I'm a bit of a klutz. But generally speaking, we love it when we get, we get messages and we get likes and we get comments and we get shares. We've seen so many, there have been so many studies that have been done about this that, that talk about how when we get these sort of things that make us feel like we, like we matter and like we belong, it releases dopamine in our brains. And dopamine is the chemical that, that is, it's the same chemical, it's the same chemical that's used in association with, like, association with like drug addiction, gambling, even sex, like all of these different things. And it's the same feelings that we get when we feel validated by our phone, phones. We feel stimulated, motivated, and we feel happy. And, and so kind of to dial down even a little bit further, more than just our screens, specifically social media, what it does is it, it this is from a human behavioral expert. That's a solid title. And this is what it says. Social media harnesses the innate desire for inclusion, and we tend to equate likes with validation. And so if you like me or you like my post or you like the thing that I'm doing, then, then all of a sudden I matter. So here's the problem with that line of thinking, this, the slippery slope here with this idea that somebody else can validate me with their, their like, comment, message, or share is that when you start to find validation from these sources, it causes you to constantly and continually need validation from these sources. And so what we do is we start to put too much of the emphasis on receiving validation from other people, and, and in reality, they can't do that for you constantly and consistently. Like that's, it's, first off, it's not their job. It is not anybody else's responsibility to validate you. That is unfair of us to put that kind of responsibility on other people. To depend on something or someone that is volatile to meet a need that is constant is a recipe for disaster. We're asking people who we know are flaky, inconsistent, have bad days. Oh, oh you guys don't have bad days? Okay, man, let me have your life, right? Like, so we're asking people with, with all of their insignificant, not insignificant, what's, what, in, in, imperfections, right, idiosyncrasies, we're asking them to meet a need for us that they're just not capable of meeting, capable of meeting all of the time. Can they do that sometimes? Absolutely. Can people make us feel like we matter and we belong and we're, we have worth? 100%. But that is not their full-time job. Their full-time job is to figure that stuff out for themselves and then maybe share some of that with you. But... Your job, my job, is to figure out that it's not their job, it's God's job to make me feel validated. And it's just not very considerate to put that much pressure on other people. Right? You're asking them to do all of the time what they're really only capable of doing some of the time. So this is what it says. Psalm chapter 118, verse 8 and 9, it says this. I thought this was really impactful or rich. It says, it is better to depend on the Lord than to trust mortals. It is better to, do, I love the, the, the wording on this particular version. It is better to depend on the Lord than to trust influential people, especially in our world, right? Where everybody, like, yeah, it's a job title now to be an influencer. That is a job title. Like, what are you influencing? People to do what? To be influenced. You're famous for the, for the sake of being famous. Like you haven't actually done anything, contributed anything to society. You haven't made a meaningful impact in the world. And yet we give you credence, credibility, and influence. 
what is going on, right? And so it's just better to trust in God than it is to trust in people. Not that we don't put some trust in people. Just remember that people will inevitably, in some way, to some degree, let you down. But God, who does not fail, will not let you down. So that's the first potential pitfall. It's, it's kind of like a hamster wheel, right? Once you start needing validation from other people, you're always going to need validation from other people. And the last thing you want to become is the person who needs validation from other people all of the time because we talk about you behind your back. Uh, you are needy and really frustrating and somewhat irritating. And nobody, I mean, like, we love you. And, and, and to some degree, y'all understand where I'm coming from? Like, and to some degree, we tolerate you, and we can put up with it for some, but we just can't handle so much of it, and you're just, you're, you're a drain because you're trying to find validation from things, people who can't offer up that validation all of the time, right? So that's the first potential issue you run into. It's a slippery slope. It's this hamster wheel. Another one of the, the potential pitfalls of being prisoners to our devices is that, that because of our need for validation, what it does is it creates a scenario where we have, we're kind of double-minded. Let me read this quote that maybe will help reinforce that idea. It says, because smartphones represent a gateway to meet our psychological needs. It's, it's fascinating, isn't it, that, that this article compares our smartphones like a drug, right? Like a gateway. So this, this smartphone represents a, a gateway to meet our psychological needs. We are typically in a state of continuous partial attention. In a state of continuous partial attention. How many times have you done this? I, man, I'm, I may be the world's worst. Somebody says something. Huh? Or this happened last night, as a matter of fact. I was watching, I was watching football on the TV. So I was trying to, you know, like I was trying to be in the room. I'm trying to be, you know, remotely engaged. And there's people kind of coming in and going out and running. You know, my, my house is, it's chaos most of the time. And that's fine. And so not only was I, I watching TV, I was on the couch watching TV, but I also had my phone trying to find people talking about the stuff that I was watching on TV. Because I was like, I've got very strong opinions about things. And I wanted to find people who had similar opinions about things, right? And so all of this is going on, and I am fully immersed in this world when my butt is in another world, and somebody said something, called me by name, and said thank you for, for something that had, had happened earlier, and I didn't even hear him. And Shelly was like, hello? And I was like, what? Huh? Have y'all ever done? It's like you're pulled out of a trance, right? I'm like, huh? And she was like, so-and-so said something, and I was like, oh, I didn't even, I'm sorry, I'm hard of hearing. She's like, you're not hard of hearing, you just... You don't pay attention when you're on your phone. Anybody else guilty? I hope every one of you is, are as offended as I was by that statement. And it's, it's offensive because it's true, right? Like we're, we're not, I don't even think it's fair to call us double-minded. I think we're half-minded. I think that, that half of our brain is over here and the other half is attempting to stay in, in this world. And, and the reality is, you've probably seen the studies on this, that we, we think we are so talented that we can multitask. And the studies show that we actually suck really bad at multitasking. That, that you go from doing one thing well to doing nothing well at all. And that's exactly what happens, I think, when we get so enamored with our phone and this continuous partial attention is it creates a scenario where we're, we're double-minded at best and half-minded at worst. James chapter 1, verse 8, it reminds me of this verse. It says, a double-minded man is unstable in all 
his ways. Now, the, the context of the verse, if, if you look at it, it's talking about having faith and having doubts, and, and ultimately, like, we need to be fully convinced and fully, you know, fully committed to God. But I think the principle applies, right? This being, being double-minded makes us unstable. Being half-minded makes us unstable. When we're unstable, what is that? We're unsure of ourselves. We lack confidence. Why are we unsure of ourselves and lack confidence? Because we are seeking validation from people who cannot give us the security and confidence that we desire. Preach, preacher, preach. I'll, listen, I will amen myself up in here. So this, this verse, I think it needs an updated version of this verse, where instead of a double-minded man is unstable in all, all his ways, we need to say a half-minded person is unstable in all of their ways. And, and the problem with this is, is this. I just cannot imagine that God would be okay with us going through our entire lives missing half of it. I, I just can't imagine that God created us. Jesus said this in John chapter 10. He said, I, I have come that you may have life and have it to the half. It's not what he said. I came, to the, I came that you may have life and have it to the full. And I just don't know that we experience the fullness when we're disengaged or we're off in another land and we're living in this fantasy with, you know what I'm talking I don't have to go any further with that. that. That whole, like, the John 10, that one snuck up on me. I wasn't ready for that. Like, and I just kind of forget sometimes that God wants us to have a full life. And, and if we're only halfway in, then we're missing half, you know, you're missing 50% of what it is that God has for you. And I just think that God's best for you is always better than your best for you. So let's look for that and not for this, right? Last point. I'm going to wrap up with this. So, so that was kind of the idea is our hearts crave validation so let's look at a, a blueprint for validation. Kind of coming back to this original imagery or analogy that we're using about God creating us with this need for validation. Let's, let's go back to the blueprint. So I think that God specifically and intentionally created us the way he did for a reason. And, and as it relates to this whole validation subject, to me, it points to the fact that we are longing for something for something that is so much more significant than the things that we generally are long are looking for the, the satisfaction of the things that we're longing for, right? It, it points to the fact that we are longing for something beyond the capability of the things we generally seek validation from. Let me, let me say that in, in just a, a much more uh, East Texas way. I thought that was funny. You did not. You must not be from East Texas. Let me, let me say it like this. We're, we're looking for things to provide validation for us that just can't do it for you. Or let me, let me do it better. That ain't going to do it for you, right? We're looking for things that to, to provide validation to us and for us that just aren't capable of meeting those deep needs that our hearts have. We're, we're looking for something to provide that, that validation, but that something that we've been looking at isn't capable. There is something, or in our case, someone who is capable of providing that validation. That someone is Jesus. Jesus is this, this steady, stable source for validation in our lives, right? We, we look so often at, at again, kind of the, the instability in the world around us, this world because of its volatility, because of its instability, is never going to provide for us the validation that our hearts desire. But Jesus, like it says in Hebrews 13, verse 8, Jesus, Jesus Christ, who was the same yesterday, today, and forever, back then, right now, and into the future, the same God, right? The same God who did the things then and is doing the things now and has promised to do the things in the future, that's the God, the steady, stable source that our hearts 
are in need of. That's why Jesus tells us in John chapter 16, Jesus said, hey, in this world, you're not going to have any problems. That's not, that's not what he said. That was with the half-life thing, right? Like in the half-life thing, then, then you don't have any problems. But, but in this full life, Jesus is like, hey, in this world, you will have trouble. You're going to have trials. You're going to have things that are difficult to go through. But take heart because I have overcome the world. Psalm 107 verse 9, it says this, for he satisfies the longing soul. Have you ever been there? Right? Just like this, this brokenness, this desperation, this, this cry of your heart for something more than what you've experienced so far. And I think to me, for me personally, this was the thing that made Jesus so attractive. Right? We try all of the different things and, and all of the things that we're told that matter and all of the pursuits that we thought had value or worth or would make us feel like we're something, they don't really satisfy the itch, right? They don't really make us feel like we were told they were going to make us feel. Jesus is the one that satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 35, he says this, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. You know what I love about this imagery? First off, I love food. Can we... And I thought, I expected like some, some church to happen. Like church is going to break out. People will be, amen, Jericho March, talking about food. Y'all don't even know what a Jericho March is, do you? Like if you, like if you grew up in like a, a charismatic church, like there was somebody always started it. It's like, it's like a, you know, the line dancing at a wedding or something. Somebody's got to get up and get it started. And the Jericho March, somebody get up and they start running around the church. Everybody's like, all right, I guess this is what we're doing. Anyway. All of that to say, this, this idea, this imagery of, of Jesus being the bread of life, first off, I love it because it's talking about food. But you know what, what's fascinating to, to, to me about this idea is that the food doesn't, doesn't make a difference just because it's presented. Like the food can be on the table all the day long, but until you, you eat the food, till you partake of the food, till you take the time to enjoy the food, then you don't get to experience the benefits of the food. And I think this is what it's like with our relationship with God. God. God is always here. God is always present. God is always available. But until we take the time to sit down and have a meal, then we don't really get to experience the benefits of this relationship that is available to us. And so often, now this is just my opinion, you do, you do with it what you want. I think one of the reasons that we're, we're so bad about having these meals with God, right? Having these, these times of communion with God is because we're so distracted. Everybody wants to say they're, they're so busy. I've met busy people. Busy people don't tell you they're busy. People who are not busy are the ones who generally tell you that they're busy. People who are busy, actually busy, just get stuff done and they don't complain about it and they make time for things that actually matter. So for the rest of us, we, I think we are so often, we're, we're at a place where we don't experience the relationship that God has in store for us because we're just distracted. And, and the primary, I don't want to say culprit because again, our hearts are the culprit, but we, the, the primary source of distraction, in my opinion, is technology. We are just so afraid to disconnect. We are so afraid to turn things off. We are so afraid that we might, we've got FOMO, right? We don't want to miss anything. We feel like we're going to miss something really important. And it's amazing that the world has gone on for thousands of years before you, before 
our phones were so ubiquitous, right? And everywhere and everyone had them. So, so the world will continue to go on if you turn your phone off for 30 minutes and try to spend some time with God. Your, your phone will go off if you turn your, if you turn it, I'm sorry, the world will go on if you turn your phone off for five minutes and spend some time with God. And I think we just don't have a terrific connection because we don't take the time to connect and we are distracted. So this morning, we're gonna sing a song that helps us just to remember that it's important to take time to disconnect so that we can reconnect. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we're so thankful for you. God, we're so thankful that you made it very clear how much you love us. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God, this is how, this is how we know what love is, that a friend would lay down his life. God, all of these examples of what love is, that love validates us. It proves that we matter. It proves that we have worth. It proves that we belong. God, forgive us for looking in other places and for other things to provide that validation that only you can provide. God, I know that, that we're so easily distracted, but I pray that you would help us to realize and remember, God, that we have to connect with you to experience that validation, that you gave us the matter to matter. Thank you for that. Jesus, we love you, and it's in your incredible name we pray. Amen.